Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read a bunch of manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, David Brothers. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. I think that's the first time I've done that without messing up in at least like half a season. Like I always fix it in editing, but you know, I know in my heart. <laughs> I always forget that because you're editing, you can make yourself sound absolutely perfect every time. You would think that I would take better advantage of fools. that. <laughs> yeah. and, and yet you don't? No, I don't. Power. It takes too much time. It's too huh. much work. Welcome to Manga Must Reads, brought to you by Comixology. With Comixology Unlimited, you can get access to over 6,000 volumes of manga, including new, classic, and undiscovered gems that you can read online anytime, including the manga that we'll be discussing today. We're here to talk about All-Rounder Megaru by Hiroki Endo. It's a sports manga that runs in Kodansha's Seinen Manga Magazine, Evening. It's complete in 19 volumes. Deb has read all 19 and swears by the final chapter. I'm partway into volume 12, and I think that I'm going to see it all the way through eventually. And mm. it is translated by Adam Hirsch, lettered by Daniel Park, edited by Sarah Tilson, and published by Kodansha as part of their Digital First. The same sort of program that gave rise to Tokyo Tower Arabia Girls. It's where they could take a chance on a lot of things that maybe might not have a obvious audience in the U.S., let's say, and test the waters a little huh. bit. Hmm. And the back of books back of books copy the back of box copy <laughs> for this book yeah you know overdub all this one back into now high schooler and budding shuto mar- mixed martial arts fighter. <laughs> it's so hard to say shuto it's almost you know an english it, it, word is it shuto or shoto? Uh, shuto i've been thinking shoto the whole time yeah it's actually. shuto because really? it's shuto? like shoot wrestling shuto? which is like a more oh. not realistic they hit harder in shoot wrestling essentially or maybe mm. full strength. Hmm. Anyway, this guy, Meguro Takayanagi, he has an old friend, Takashi Sagawa, and they were friends as kids. They did karate together, and then they moved away. And now Takashi hates Meguro for unexplained reasons, and they're going to fight in the ring for the first time in seven years. That's what it's about. Like, by volume four or five, that kind of fades to the background, and it just becomes about Meguro learning how to be an MMA fighter, how to fight Shuto. And... He's sort of, he's not like a genius fighter, like the characters from Cross Game, for instance. He's sort of more of a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. And so what I find fun about All-Rounder Megaru is that it's almost like mundane, but in a really good way. <laughs> like, he's not necessarily yeah. going to become like the world champion of Japan and then fight like the world champion of the US and, you know, have a global title. Like, he's a guy who started it as a hobby and kind of grew into really enjoying it. Which is an interesting, an interesting evolution for a character, I think. And especially for a sports manga like this, it's mostly aimed at grown men, like working men, sort of like Blue Giant. So I wanted to bring it to the group because we talked a lot about sports manga. We've talked a lot about the tropes. We've read Cross Game, which is sort of like the pinnacle. And I thought we could take a look at like the solid midlist of sports manga and see what we thought about all rounder <laughs> Mega Room. Let's start with. Deb, because I know you've read most of this already. <laughs> oh, I should say, before we get into it, we, we read volumes mm. one and volume seven. Because during one show, Chip mentioned he liked Tomboys, and there's an entire volume that's dedicated to the ladies of All-Rounder Megaru. Yeah. And so that just to set the tone for what we're going to discuss today. But Deb, what's your, what's your take? Well, it's kind of like what we did with Blue Giant, right? In that you're, you're giving a taste of 
at the beginning, so it, it frames it mm-hmm. and giving you a taste of what this a best a good taste of what the solid middle is, which oh. is a better example of how the rest of the series will go. Mm-hmm. Because if you went only on volume one, you would have a you would have a very different impression of how this story would go, how this how the dynamic would play out. I mean, it's you know it, the way volume one sets it up with Meguru and Takashi being like you know childhood friends and rivals, and then they meet again and. Takashi is like definitely a rival or if not enemy. And then by the time we get to volume seven, it's like it it's completely faded from the background, but it comes it comes around again towards the latter part of the series when it kind of ties up what it started mm-hmm. in volume one. So mm, all around their mega rose I found really fascinating and that it's kind of a explainer manga. <laughs> Yeah. In some ways. Mm-hmm. But it's also really grounded and not so dramatic. You know, like the stakes are not like life and death and the, you know, and they're not going to be the world's best. You're just trying to be good. Yeah. <laughs> and then in they get into the really mundane things you have to do to be good. Like that whole practically like 10 pages of explaining their oh, strength their warm up and exercise <laughs> yeah, strength training. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think if you only read volume one, you would kind of have like Wait, what is this? <laughs> right, mm-hmm. and then volume six, which is the one, is it? Some, well, volume seven that we read brought up some of the things I really loved about All Around the Maker, which is like the humor, yeah, mm-hmm. mm. and the fact that the girls are so interesting. Yeah, they're not wusses, they're not you know lovesick, but they're not you know like completely like you know like you know, we were talking about the women in Die Dark, like Shimada Death, who's like unapologetically a badass yeah like these girls like sometimes they're badasses and sometimes they're dorks (laughs) (laughs) they they, they felt fully realized yeah yes yes (laughs) so it's it's fun you know i mean when you compare it to other sports manga this is a much more it's interesting because it tells you that you can tell of a sports manga that is both exciting and mundane Mm -hmm. (laughs) and informative and fun to read i i I don't know how you stopped at 12. I zipped all the way through to 19. I think I just got overwhelmed with everything I was reading or the pandemic started or something like that. I just lost track. Oh. But it's I also see. nice to visit every now and then because you know you'll get like a pleasant read out of the book. Like one mm. of those for me. Mm. I'm also compulsive, so. Oh, see, I love to stretch out <laughs> things that I love. Like it makes my friends so upset when we watch TV shows together. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christopher. What did you think of All-Rounder Meguru? I think Hiroki Endo, who is the author of All-Rounder Meguru, is really good at comics. Mm-hmm. I think he's good at making comics in general. And I found myself really compelled by this. So I actually started reading volume one and I got to the end and then you messaged and was like, actually, it's volume seven, don't read volume <laughs> five. And I was like, actually, I'm going to just poke and see what, what's up with volume two, actually. Mm-hmm. This is one of the books that I think is free to read if you have Comixology Unlimited. Azuki, too, like a bunch of other services, it's part of their all you can read if you have a subscription. Mm-hmm. Kodasha yeah. has like, several like that. Nice. So this is the first, I think, 10 volume. So it's just really easy to just be like, all right, I'm going to check out volume two. Because sort of every volume tends to end in the middle of a fight. And you kind of want to <laughs> see how it plays out. I did that for volume two and volume three, and it was interesting. There's sort of a tonal shift in volume two. Maybe we'll get into. And then I went ahead and, and read volume seven, and then that ended in the middle of a, a fight. So I had to read some <laughs> yeah. of volume eight as well. <laughs> and it was, I was just struck the whole way through. It's like, yeah, this dude is real good at making compelling comics, compelling manga. 
that I want to keep reading. But yeah, I didn't really like a lot of the people in the in the story. I found them off-putting in various mm. ways. I think particularly volume seven, volume eight, Meguru is like nice to another girl and the described Sundare <laughs> character kicks him in the stomach repeatedly. It's like, actually that character, oh, thank, like that, sh- that was shitty behavior. And like, are like, we're supposed to root for a lot of these people because we want them to like succeed and get better and, and, and train and be better. And it just like seven volumes in, eight volumes in, your Sundare character, like, and that's your like shorthand for like saying, oh, that's why they're physically abusive to the people around them. They're Sundare, but there's a sweet side of them too. And it's like, <laughs> It's like manga bullshit. Like I like manga, but I am so over this kind of like we're in a, it's a it's a character flaw, and it's what makes them interesting. And it's like, no man, like I don't mind reading books about shitty people, but don't try and pretend that they're not shitty. And mm-hmm. this does. Like this absolutely is like root for this person. It's funny when they're shitty to other people. Like like setting up the rivalry in the first volume between Takai or whatever dude's name is Takashi and Meguru. And it's like, actually, this guy's just a shit. He's like, actually, you're terrible at mixed martial arts. Actually, I'm always going to be better than you. Oh, also, you can't do push-ups. And you're like this, and you're like this. And it's like, <laughs> in a real gym situation, even if that person existed, like someone would come up and be like, hey, dude, your, your attitude sucks, and we're all on the same team here. What the fuck's your problem? doesn't happen here because you need that you need that friction for the story, and you need to reveal in volume eight that he's actually a good guy who's just been done wrong and he feels that life isn't fair because of his brother and judo. And you're just like, man, this is, this is basic. <laughs> so I really like Endo's comics. I think the first volume of Eden that he did which from dark horse, it is phenomenal. It's like right up there for like one of the best first chapters of a manga of all time. That, that short story that Eden, it's an endless world and his two volume short story collection called Tempenchu. Mm-hmm. One of the best short story collections in manga, like also way up there. So, so good. Unfortunately, all of those books I just mentioned are out of print because Dark Horse doesn't keep books in print. Not my fault. So he's <laughs> good at comics. It? Yeah, dun, right. <laughs> Going to get an email from Gombos any second now. <laughs> but yeah, like a lot of these characters are not, are deeply unpleasant and they're unpleasant in a way that is part of manga like it's part of making a character a manga character as opposed to writing a naturalistic character in a story and it's one of the things that i actually really don't like about manga i don't like those kinds of that that kind of shorthand i'm kind of over it like whatever i'm like in my 40s now like i am not discovering any of these characters or character (laughs) types for the first time so yeah so yeah i think it is a really well done comic filled with characters and tropes that I don't really care for. I think Meguru is the best character or maybe the dude who owns the gym that actually wins his match seems like an actual sort of put together character. I actually liked the like, you know, half girl who's like Dutch and Japanese. I think that her character had like a little bit more realism to her motivation. She's also a grown up in the book. And maybe that's part of it is that you're supposed to show that these teen characters are shitty and you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the rest of the stuff was so one note and like not even one interesting note, but like shorthand, like this character is this type, this character is this type and it bummed me out and I can provide examples because I'm sure Chip's going to be <laughs> call me on it. But yeah. So yeah, I, it's, it's weird. It's really good comics. And if these are the kinds of comics you like, I think you're going to be really happy with it. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, I don't know. I found myself 
continuing to read and being compelled by it, but not really in like enjoying like a good chapter, bad chapter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like okay. depending on who it's focusing on. And it was a little bit weird. It was like a really weird reading experience where I read three times the recommended dosage <laughs> that you, you put up for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it was still like, I'm going to keep going. Like I've, I can read the first 10 volumes for free, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about literally anyone in this book, except for Meguru, who's just uh, kind of dopey and, you know, tries hard. Yeah. So, I mean, besides Maki-chan, who is a stomach kicker, who else did you feel that strongly about? I felt the rival introduced in the first volume. I'm sorry, I don't have... Okay, yeah, Takashi. Okay, yeah. I think his behavior throughout is terrible. And then when he when the the junior girl wants to get him into jujitsu or wants to get into jujitsu and wants him to tr- wants him to train her mm-hmm. uh, he's terrible to her and like he has like a an awakening moment you know from dealing with his brother and what his brother's going through his brother yeah. seems like a perfectly decent person and he's just a total asshole to on panel for no reason the whole time and he has like a breakthrough moment where like he's at least neutral and you're like oh that's real that's real development for him he's neutral in the face <laughs> of someone being a cheerleader for him <laughs> yeah man like i don't want to read about him anymore yeah no, and, and I'm not talking, sorry, and I'm not talking about the Yakuza rival, like who's like the big oh, series yeah, yeah, rival. Yeah. I'm talking about the guy in the same gym yeah, yeah, who's the, got the glasses. The glasses guy, yeah. yeah. Did he remind you of Tsukishima from Haikyuu at all? Like same kind I of character? I have not same? read, I, sorry, I, well, sports manga. Yeah. I don't, and why I don't play sports is because that kind of like macho aggro shit is like big in sports manga, big in sports. I get that. Like, mm-hmm. and I get the rival trope and I think it does work a lot of the time, but in this one, it's just like, you've got to make them unlikable enough that you want to fight against them, but likable enough that the battles are fun. And this dude like, doesn't like, maybe he'll get redeemed in a couple more volumes. <laughs> like, but that's 10 volumes. <laughs> it's 10 volumes of stories. Okay. The Akuza kid was fine. I thought that whole plot just seemed a little out of place with the rest of what was going on, but it wasn't bad. Like he's just a compelling writer, right? Yeah. So anyway, I've talked a lot. Sorry. All right. Uh, so we got Deb down with 19 volumes. We have Christopher has three ish, but like several past what we. Assigned. Oh no, sorry. I've read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. Jeez. Uh, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, five, six, seven and half of eight until I got to the end of the match against the American. Okay. The, the, the jujitsu. And that was actually, that, that was a really good match, I thought. It was interesting. Anyway, sorry. So I've read, I've read like seven volumes now. Maybe, maybe six and a half. So. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm hate reading. them. <laughs> and it, I don't even hate them, though. That's the problem. Yeah, and, we'll come back yeah, to anyway, it. Anyway, we'll talk. Chip, how did you feel with the mere two volumes that you read today? It's very funny to me that Chris didn't like the stomach kicking girl because like, I screen grabbed the page where she kicks him in the stomach because I thought it was <laughs> funny. <laughs> Same. <laughs> because it's not i mean like those scenes are just like so not real like like that that just feels like kind of the fantasy part of the comic and also i would mm-hmm. not accept it if it the genders were reversed and i know oh. that like if if, if it was like <laughs> it, was, it was a woman critiquing like the guy's performance in the match and then also the guy kicks her in the stomach i'd be like yeah no i'd probably close it and keep going but somehow uh maybe there's a we can examine this part of me later i love when women <laughs> treat men poorly in comics and in life turn on. and in life yeah uh, and it's it, interesting thing like i really david was both right and wrong to recommend volume seven mm-hmm. because I was instantly like, well, where's the Yakuza friend rival? Like, what? Like, 
like I actually quite like his kind of backstory, and he's got this revenge thing in mind. And I'm just like, Whoa. I wanted to see that, and then I get thrown in, which is like so many other characters. <laughs> and I would just I mix them up all throughout. I'm like, what? What's going on here? <laughs> see what happens when you don't do the book report. <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I need the blue giant book report. But the I I, I really love the match between Maki Chan and uh, I don't know the name. Who, who, whoever the ponytail tall girl mm-hmm. was. Mm. Yeah. I like that because I actually didn't know who to root for, which is so rare when you're reading a comic like this. Like I know Chris mm-hmm. was saying like, like as a reader, like we're rooting for her, even though she's shitty, but I'm mm. like, Oh, she's shitty. And she doesn't actually deserve to win this. And the other girl, like I actually like her, even though she's like, she only had like the one moment before crying. Yeah, in 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 the locker room, and then like you can tell in the fight, like she's just like, okay, all right, I'm just gonna do this, and like, so uh, it's rare to I think read a scene like that where you're just like, oh, I actually don't know who to root for here. Like that's kind of makes the outcome weirdly exciting because you don't know which way it's gonna go. So I think in that case, I thought Maki Chan's like characterization actually worked for the fight. Yeah, because it worked against her as a fighter. Yeah. She was yeah. <laughs> too confident. She was like And she was an asshole. Like she she won by using her elbow, but, but she, she lost. Win. She lost. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. But then he points out later, like, but you you did it that way so you could beat her. Even mm-hmm. if it meant losing, which is just like I, I thought it was a really interesting way to kind of drill down into her. Like yeah, yeah I mean kicked in the stomach for his troubles. hey you've got real anger issues and you actually almost seriously hurt another fighter in the ring you really got to watch out for that oh yeah well i'm gonna beat the shit out of you for saying that like i've known people like that in my life and i don't need that in my manga man i don't know why i didn't react this way because i took it more like in a tom and jerry kind of way yeah yeah that's the thing because even even the look on his face afterwards when it's just like all the tiny kicks it's like bat 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 like it just feel like I said that 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 whole thing kind of just felt very very cartoony to me, in in the Tom and Jerry way. <laughs> and then I I really I like the second match too, hmm. and I also thought maybe uh, David picked this because of the giant Canadian Kim Rampling. Yes, actually, <laughs> <laughs> which she physically reminded me a lot of my high school girlfriend, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned on this podcast before was like a rugby player and her nickname was the wall that sounds nice. awesome Whoa, no <laughs> yeah yeah and i loved her very much so yeah and the, the size between <laughs> her and her opponent was basically me and my girlfriend so <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe i had a lot of erotic imprinting onto this volume come to think of it it makes sense we did just read massive yeah <laughs> <laughs> the explainer manga stuff like I, I tend to kind of gloss over it. And there was a lot in here. I mean, it was well drawn. I think if, a, if I was really into the idea of kind of martial arts, mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be a lot more drawn to those uh, bits of this. But I was basically like, oh, I kind of want to get to like the the fun character interactions or the, the, the grand fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I, I liked volume one. I, I, th- I thought it was really interesting how they kind of like, they set up those two characters and the fact they would, they both like live with their grandparents and like, mm-hmm. and then when you kind of find about Takashi's kind of like Yakuza past, it's like, 
yeah, that, that, that drew me in, and I really wanted to see where that went. But instead, I got the Tomboy Volume 7, <laughs> but that's fine. Volume 5 does get into that a little bit more. Yeah. That's so funny. I, I was going to say, yeah. I will say that he, Takashi, like, I definitely agree with Chris. Like, he was, like, too much of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, but, like, at the end of Volume 1, when it's, like, you know, the 10 years later, or whatever, like, I'm just like, I'm like, geez, he's really over the top with this yeah <laughs> like mm. when he's like i never yeah. liked that guy yeah oh yeah like that was much. heavy that was wait sorry that was the only authentic emotion in that first volume no way there's also enthusiasm up <laughs> poor and seeing someone that's in the same situation as you and like that person is like like happy-go-lucky and actually mm-hmm. is like you know stuff happens whatever and being like i hate this dude and because yeah. you're so screwed up, mm-hmm. that's real. Like, that's a yeah, real yeah. thing. So when he said it that at the end, I was like, hey, that's devastating. And it was, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'll give it a little bit over the top, but yeah. be totally relatable. Like, I could totally yeah. see that part. Mm-hmm. It's the it's a lot of the other stuff that comes across as melodrama that I had more of an issue mm-hmm. with. But that actually, that line, like, I never liked him, mm-hmm. was, like, really well delivered. And then followed up on when you see what, like, the other Yakuza stuff that this dude's going through and going on. Like, hmm. Mm. The Tom and Jerry stuff didn't work because it was interspersed for me. Did not work for me. Yeah. Didn't work because it was interspersed with like super serious crime trauma that was actually pretty realistic seeming about like being a boxer or a a fighter who washes out. Like Mm. that's why those two things like it was a little bit it was a little bit peter butter and I don't know mayonnaise i'm sure somebody peanut butter and pickles that. like to continue uh, <laughs> a explaining analogy it's like if ronma one had had like a hardcore kung fu tournament in the middle of it that was treated with hardcore yeah kung yeah fu rules yeah yeah where ronma's doing like funny shenanigans and like one person's trying and sorry we actually just read that in die dark like we actually yeah. literally did just have like <laughs> these two lovable goofballs existing in like the warhammer 40k imperium and you're just sort of like all right i guess this is happening <laughs> And it and it can work sometimes, but it was a disconnect. I Volume think, seven yeah. is there's so many of those moments, and and far less of yeah. the intense drama that I I didn't mind it. Like it it did sometimes feel like I was reading kind of like like between volume one and volume seven, like it felt like a, a jump in tone between those two volumes. But I didn't find that there was a jump in the volume of tone. If that no, makes that's, sense, that's true. It's actually because I think I read consistently, but like. The, yeah. the rival you're talking about saying, oh, that, that line was over the top when he says, I never liked that dude. He's literally complicit <laughs> in a murder three volumes later and gets a guy killed. <laughs> like, oh, after damn. beating the shit out of, like, five gang members. And you're just like, oh, no, he's earned. I never liked that yeah. guy. But I think stomach kicker between... there hasn't earned shit. <laughs> the gap between <laughs> I never liked that guy and the friendship you saw before, I think, was the trouble mm. for me. So maybe it was more that mm. he's trying to... Mm convince himself or something like that yeah because mm. a bit in volume one when they're like you know we do karate but like we still can't beat up older kids who fight all the time like great joke great friendship building yeah that yeah. was actually really good <laughs> mm-hmm. deb what were you gonna say oh i was gonna i was gonna say like the the dynamic between those two i mean i i i think it's it's an interesting setup right because Meguru basically comes across as someone who's I know he's pretty casual, right? Yeah, he wants to do good, but he's he never really gets down on anything, you know. Like he gets depressive, you know, he loses a match, but he's pretty simple emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then Takashi's kind of like got some really heavy stuff to deal with, like his dad was in the yakuza, and his grandfather, you know, is a karate, and he's kind of personality-wise more cool and reserved. 
and more tormented. Mm-hmm. So it kind of reminds me of like, when I was reading, I thought, oh, this is like Naruto and Sasuke. Totally. Mm. In, like, in like two people, two kids, same age, troubled backgrounds. One says, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do whatever. And the other one's like, Ugh, you know, off the world, right? Yeah. Or like Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Where, <laughs> you know, Paul McCartney had like this wonderful, wonderful family. And he's like, he writes all these upbeat love songs. And then John Lennon, his mother died. His father abandoned him. He was very bitter mm-hmm. and very uh, cynical. But, you know, you put the two together and they wrote very interesting music together. They fed off each other. They had rivalry. But, you know, like when they split up, everyone says, oh, Paul McCartney's songs are too sappy. And John Lennon's <laughs> songs are just way too dark. <laughs> you know? Okay, so sorry. Follow up. Ha- uh, has there been a Beatles manga? Yes. There have been several. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, oh my God, that is manga. It's the perfect setup. <laughs> yeah. But they can't, they can't get published in English, apparently. <laughs> mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> the dynamic, like what you said, Chris, about that, you know, that dynamic felt real. It's like, yeah, I can, I can understand why that, you know, like, it's not fair, right? This guy, same age as me, you know, same interest as me. We were friends and like, it's unfair that you still have a family. You have a normal life. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. seems to get you down. What's your problem, man? Like, like you resent it, but at the same time, you're you're compelled to stay connected because I don't know. Maybe you're measuring up against that person. Like, you know, even like how everyone goes, like, oh, the opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just compelled to this connection to compare with Meguru. Or like mm. when he meets Meguru and sees how Meguru is doing and compares it to how he's feeling inside or how he, how his life has gone. I mean, maybe he's not as self, you know, self-actualized to even realize where that comes from. It just comes out as just this, oh, hate this guy. <laughs> right? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love the Naruto and Sasuke comparison because Sasuke also became complicit in murders as the series went on. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. Yeah, so did Paul McCartney. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But another reason I wanted to bring this to this group in particular is that you three, I didn't make it there, but you went to the George Morikawa exhibit for Hajime no Ippo in Mm. Japan last time we were there, Mm. along with friend of the show, Nick Trigata. And I think this is the manga that probably comes closest to having the same kind of like overall vibe as Hajime no Ippo. I think the Mm. drawings aren't quite as good or quite as energetic like they don't Dramatic. burst off the page yeah in the no same definitely way. not mm-hmm. but like the attention to form the way everyone has like a very considered physique like there are so many square necks in his manga you know and what is usually <laughs> yeah. a very like giraffe neck kind of category as i was reading it there would be some shots especially of Maguru, where i'm just like oh that's a declan shalvey drawing <laughs> you know how declan draws everyone to be like five foot five yeah yeah like, <laughs> kind of thick it's just like oh yeah there's a lot of that in here which is actually kind of refreshing because that's not normally the case Mm -hmm. in the books that we've been reading other than massive (laughs) other than massive yeah (laughs) sorry after after our discussion about cross game right and some of the others where there's action and when action happens the panels suddenly become diagonals or more dynamic Mm -hmm. and or and static slice of my moments are very right angled panels I was re- looking over volume uh, six, I'm sorry, seven and one. Mm-hmm. Almost all the action sequences have right angle panels. There's no diagonals. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's making yeah. all the action come through through speed lines. Yeah. Yeah. And George Morikawa did not do that. I actually, I flubbed on an earlier episode of Mong Explaining when I was talking about this. There was three 
volumes of Hajime no Ippo released that were bootlegs that just like people put up scanlations <laughs> onto Amazon Kindle store and then tried to sell because that's the world we live in now. Yeah. And so I actually read the first volume in scans, the first couple volumes in scans for free, thankfully. And it was like, oh, this is, this is shonen manga. Like it's like, I've seen the artwork, I've seen the end of the series and he's developing as a cartoonist for real in those early volumes. But man, it's there. And he's just like working in a tradition. Whereas Endo's last big work was Eden, which was like a, like a Grimm's SF tale about sort of the end of humanity is real real different vibe and you can sort of see the two approaches to how to depict fighting like yeah dude's drawing these fights like he is from a more sort of realistic place and i think that some of the stuff works like if you're looking at volume seven right here on page 58 mm-hmm. you sort of the round starts they tap gloves and all of a sudden from the lower right there's like an immediate diagonal like whoosh so even with like a mm with like a like a hard right hard right corners like hard right angles in the panel you've got this like real diagonal motion and then you've got sound effects on top like they break the porter the mm-hmm. the, the the panel borders which is really interesting mm-hmm. to to really communicate like action and energy and then you go into the next page and you see what the whoosh is and it was a foot and it just like misses like she does a she does a step back just misses her face by like you know maybe a few you know 5 centimeters or something like that mm-hmm. but it continues that like lower right up to the upper left and then the next page same diagonal motion in the same direction is happening there and it's like dude can actually draw action and energy and movement yeah. it's a very interesting like page mm. it was like communicated the storytelling was really good but then you compare it to one of the shots from the morikawa exhibit and we'll throw some of those images back in the show notes here as well and that dude is like has a boxing glove coming up and directly at you as the reader. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that same kind of vibe. So yeah, I think it's interesting because it's something that I think we've talked about a lot and we all, it's a shared experience for us. So it's like a, a touch point. I think this guy's really good, but he just is coming from like a different school. Chip, you got yeah. a concerned look? No, no, I, I agree. And it's funny. <laughs> uh, no one's going to like the, the, this comparison, but I find this artist is like, okay, Morikawa is jack davis okay hmm. and this and this artist is john byrne amazing hmm. but i can kind of see hmm. it hmm. yeah it's yeah i mean dynamic uh, i think yeah yeah actually there were a few john byrne faces in this so i'm just like oh that's like if john byrne took a stab at manga <laughs> especially the girl that maki-chan fights yeah mm. had a very john byrne <laughs> look to her face <laughs> but yeah like like very competent and like uh, in the action i actually in in some cases, like the, the the splashier action pages, almost felt like they were done by somebody else, somebody more accomplished than mm-hmm. the artist who was drawing the rest of this. Because almost every page, I'm just like, oh, that's a little off. Oh, that's a little suspect of a drawing. Like there was always something that kind of jumped out at me as being just slightly wrong, kind of throughout. Except for the big, like what what Chris showed, like the big action pages where you kind of like you get rid of a lot of the the limbs that are kind of in motion and rely on the speed lines. Mm-hmm. Those are really, really nicely done, really elegant. Chip, can you give an example of something that you felt was off in a drawing? I was just looking at page 40, just thinking of John Byrne Girl, if you can all see it. Yeah. The drawing of the, the drawing of the girl, like if you like shaved her head, like <laughs> like her forehead would come out way too far and then and then just start jutting back like like 
Mm, a I lot see. of just kind of a lot of kind of drawing without doing the underdrawing first. I think is is, is it. I see. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And and so kind of throughout it, there would be uh, bits like that where it's like, oh, you almost had it. You just start to draw, but you didn't actually like do the the step before this to kind of make it work. But a lot of the technical stuff was great. Mm-hmm. Like the environments were really, really super accomplished. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, I would rather never look at the 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 burnt abs rendering <laughs> ever again with the hatch marks it's so jarring because it's like it's the only place it really really happens like that like you know sometimes he does it with the clothing but yeah at least with clothing it kind of makes sense because of the texture but then just like oh just the weird it's like over rendering without giving it shape mm. I know what you like, mean. I kind of, I kind of gave up screen grabbing. How many times? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Every once in a while, I'd just be like a guy. Like, I don't know if I can even like, like that yeah, guy. He does look just, a little uh, burnt. It's just, it's just uh, burnt, but it's just like so randomized. Uh huh. Uh huh. How it's done on the body that it doesn't help anything. It doesn't define anything, and it just feels like just not caring about the anatomy of that of that section of the body. So so, so so there there were definitely a, a, a lot of bits like that, but they were you know everything else was so good that you know I I was ultimately fine with it. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention that <laughs> when we hit the panty gag, like, <laughs> oh, of, of, of course, of course, there's going to be a panty shot in this. Like, how did I expect to read manga without one? Yeah. Mm. And then when it was revealed, she was wearing like you know black shorts. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's that's nice. No panty panty shot in this. That's a nice way to you know subvert that. And then later on they just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Having your cake and eating but it too. Payoff is great, right? Because it happens all in the same chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same one where Meguru is like drinking a coke after he's out, out of the bath, and his privates are mosaiced out. Yeah. And then a couple pages later, his, his sister his sister yeah. is out of the bath, and she's and he's like, oh, put some clothes on. She's like. <laughs> <laughs> what? At least I wear yeah. underwear, and it's, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that was that was too real for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that 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 was a good gag. There's a lot of similar jokes in Epo where he's uh, famously endowed, let's say, and everyone else in the gym mm. is never yeah. hesitates to make fun of it. <laughs> what a curse! Oh, I can't right. imagine being made fun of for my giant penis. Well, the fact that he's so shy about it, you know, yeah. it's like. Wait, yeah. wait! You're the guy who actually has a reason to be have a swagger, <laughs> and you're you're like embarrassed by your elephant dong. Um, <laughs> literally and figuratively, elephant. But we'll get to that on the Epo episode. <laughs> mm. well, oh, all right. All There's right. there were a couple little bits in this that I really liked. One was the shout out to the manga shoujo fight on page 102. Oh saw, yeah, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, but like. Because because the the there's the first panel on the page before yeah about the volleyball squad and I'm just like as soon as I saw the panel I'm like oh this must be a reference to something and then I flip the page <laughs> it's like you know it it spells it out for us yeah <laughs> it's also really good I'm further behind on shoujo fight than I am on Megaru but like seeing this in this series was really unexpected but also like really pleasant at the same time you know yeah. are they the same magazine or something because it's that's another Kodansha manga that might be. We'll have to add it to the show notes. But like huh. the art style changes, like suddenly there's like very anime hair. Yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's really good. And like, 
And she's like nibbling at her ear too. Like, <laughs> Join the volleyball team. <laughs> I quite liked it. Yeah. I like there's a moment in page eighty one eighty eight in volume seven where uh, Yudai is like you know kind of dissing out like Meguru and the, his ward balloons are pushing Meguru against the left side of the panel. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was actually really oh, good. That's also good that comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. like the one in volume one and page 149 where they're, oh, maybe like Takashi's opponent, first opponent was very weak. Yeah. And then like the board balloon turns into an arrow that stabs Meguru in the head. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is another classic manga thing, I think. Yeah. So there's some like fourth wall breaking that's fun, I think. Definitely. Yeah. And when Momo's on her championship run, like four or five fights in one day. I love that her face is always very focused, like sad face, you know, whenever yeah. she wins. Mm-hmm. There's something about like that kind of cartooning right next to the, let's say, fairly realistic, like actual fighting cartooning that kind of kills me a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good contrast. Yeah. Chip, did you read volume eight or did you not? You didn't bother. No. <laughs> no I'm just wondering. <laughs> How no, no, just because it's very busy. <laughs> no, no, because there's this really great moment in volume eight, which is like the, after the, the end of Momoko's match. Mm-hmm. And the implication that led up to it's like, oh, you know, that she, you know, tells Yudai, like, oh, come back, you know, come back to the gym. I'll, I'm, I'm going to win all, you know, actually, you know, I'm, you're challenging me. I'm going to try to win all these matches. And then Yudai's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, be, I'm going to be standoffish or whatever. And then towards the end, he's like actually rooting for her to win. Mm hmm. And so he's saying, what is it? You know, get her, hook her. This, and then all the people in the background, this guy stole the best moment, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in volume eight, he, he, Maki tells Yudai, dude, check yourself. Momoko isn't working her ass off for you. She's doing it for herself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I think partly why this series is so good is that women have, say, historically been underserved in stories like this, to be mm-hmm. extremely polite about it. But even with, like, Maki, the Tsundere character, like, Christopher's right where he says, like, she's kind of abusive and horrible. But she's also, like, a type that's only ever allowed to be that. Like, she's mm. similar to Ino from Naruto, like, to continue that comparison. Where she's just kind mm. of, like, standoffish. She's mm. always yelling at somebody. Or she's always hitting somebody. But every once in a while, you, like, get, like, interiority with that kind of character. And it's kind of nice that this series, like, makes such a focus on doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not my favorite. I'll say that, but I do think what I how I read her was that she was like, you know, like a tomboy who just is still at the elementary school. You know, boys are oh, boys. <laughs> you know, you like you like when you're just like want to punch them and like slap. It's like oh, you're so you're kind of embarrassed. Yeah, you like them, but you don't know what the name of that feeling is. So all you can do is hit them. <laughs> you know what I We're mean? We're learning so a lot about Jeb right it. now. No, yeah. no, I, I never. I was never that good at hitting guys. I'll just say that. Right <laughs> <the top>. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I wasn't the type of girl like, oh, you slap. And then they, you know, they go flying across the room. Yeah. Not like, no. But I don't know. I, I took her just like being emotionally immature, mm-hmm. but, you know, strong. And therefore that's, that's how she's reacting. Like she doesn't know how to be girly. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of, I don't know, treating him like a guy, but not a guy she's interested in. Yeah. But, but it kind of ends up being that way. It's just awkward. <laughs> I just took her as being awkward, but way too strong for her own good. <laughs> yeah, I could dig that. Mm. Christopher, and you read through volume eight. Did you get as far as the conversation between Yudai and his brother about like 
yeah, life yeah. advice. What did you think of that scene? Yep. Out of curiosity, I remember that making an impression on me when I read through. But I haven't uh, mm. gone back yet. So we find out this is spoilers. We find out that you dies. Part of the reason he's such a dick part of is that his brother who he looked up to and idolized as a judo star basically and during a match he really hurt somebody like paralyzed for life Mm -hmm. and then it sort of goes into the idea that like actually in judo there's like 114 deaths of of, of like you know young people from judo that have happened since 2003 or something like that in japan but like almost nothing anywhere else in the world and these deaths still keep happening so he felt so bad and he didn't want to practice judo anymore that he decided to go like get a regular job and work in the Tohoku earthquake zone and stuff like that. It was like a really like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing where I tie everything back to what's happening in the real world. And the author did that in one of the earlier, earlier chapters as well, where it starts off like, yeah, people keep saying recession, but if Japan doesn't get its act together and like, you know, get some fighting spirit, the recession will never end. And you're like, Whoa, that's some editorializing right there. (laughs) A lot of editorializing about like radiation and rebuilding and the earthquake and how nothing's being done in that story, which is like, the author has, has some ideas that he would like to tell you about in yeah or whatever. But the communication between Udai and his his brother, where his brother's like, yeah, man, I've got principles. I'm going to stick by them. And Udai's like, you're a fool, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> and is like, you know, good. I thought it was like, the I would much rather read a story about the brother going and helping out in the earthquake zone and having yeah. a family than mm-hmm. up Udai. Like, you cut him out of this book, I think I'd be... And I'm not saying that people like this don't exist in the real world, but it's really hard to take people like this who are jerks and, you know, reading about them when it's like interspersed with like the cartoonish stuff. Like, yeah, there are like, there's all kinds like criminal Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, Jake Phillips, one of my favorite books full of just awful people doing awful things, generationally awful things, behaving in awful ways. But there's no like... six page like tom and jerry sequence in the middle or when there is it's tried to illuminate a, a larger point there's I was a kind of the barbarian sequence at one part that's pretty good but like it's not it's not played the same way and it's it's not a east versus west thing at all because there's lots of of western stuff that does exactly the same sort of like we're gonna have a silly bit now to keep the kids entertained and there's lots of eastern stuff that's like legit and hard all the way through but like that scene i think being interspersed or coming just after some sort of shitty behavior on mm-hmm. the part of Udai that is like maybe unrealistic was like, yeah, you're showing that you like, hmm. the author isn't committing is what I, maybe this is exactly the manga that the author wants to make. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally, you know, more power to them, but like believe in the parts of the story that you're telling that are serious. If you want to tell a serious story, don't have to go back and like do this other stuff if you don't like if it's not actually moving the story forward and and there's nothing wrong with having jokes there's nothing wrong with whatever there's nothing wrong with dropping into a near super deformed art style at times like (laughs) that panel that you guys called out earlier like the side profile was basically just like a pac-man mouth on mackie it was like actually (laughs) pretty funny but that kind of cartooning totally works because it's actually not far enough away from how he regularly draws that you're like whoa, that's like, what's going on with this panel? It, it makes sense. It's cartooning, like it's a simplification. Whereas story-wise, there's such a big gap between I've been forced into a bad situation and I accidentally you know, caused someone to be murdered in the Yakuza and this like high school antics shit. And it's like, you gotta have the, high, you gotta have the panty shots. You gotta have the panty shots. You gotta have the extended joke sequence about whose boobs are bigger, which actually happens with Maki and another character at a certain, oh, the, the Bonin Kai after they, they, they do yeah. the fight. 
like there's an extended sequence there about like the teacher saying you've got small boobs and you're like what is going on it's the female teacher by the way so it's fine like <laughs> just stuff like this like commit man like you you do not either don't trust your audience or you don't trust your editor or you don't trust yourself but you are not committing to one of these kinds of stories <laughs> and you are not weaving these together as, as well as you think you are because you end up with these like from my perspective these yeah. huge glaring ideas that fight each other in sequences of pages and the more you like the more you, the more i read of it the more it's just like oh man it's gonna be one of these chapters where it's like <laughs> all right volume two here's the chapter where like maki is like super homophobic about guys you know being in mixed martial arts together and no one's gonna call her on it because it's played for a joke because she's like a terrible person so it's funny when she says it yeah. just like everything she does is funny when she does it because she's terrible and then you go into like <laughs> you go into like being recruited into the mafia or the yakuza and you're just like oh my god so yeah that's <laughs> my thought on that <laughs> your question was that was the answer no i like that i that's appreciate sweet. that it's funny because like yeah I, I i see them working quite well together throughout like I, it it still feels like kind of the same tone but kind of it's like in akira when like it's basically like kind of pratfall scenes all of volume mm -hmm. three yeah yeah but then it's also just like like high drama and horror and 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 all that stuff but i always i always tend to like that mix in in mm -hmm. in, in the books that i'm reading mm -hmm. none of this felt jarring to me i didn't feel like oh now we're in this story it just felt like yeah. part of the one big story that had these these elements throughout but it did feel as jarring as like uh, when Tezuka does it, right? When it's like a heavy scene and then all of a sudden the, the, the wolves are doing can-can dancing. You know, it's like... Yeah, not, yeah, not quite that bad. Jarring. <laughs> it's the same tool though. And it feels, oh. it felt very similar. And mm -hmm. Tezuka, because everything is cartoons, even if it's serious <laughs> subject matter, it doesn't bother me as much. It's also idiosyncratic mm -hmm. to that author. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't bother me as much. Whereas yeah. this, uh, it, it, it is trying to have it's trying to have more realistic stuff but also make sure it stays just high enough in the fan polls that it gets another chapter <laughs> and that's and it's cynical like it's absolutely a cynical take on manga but like yeah you could see the that's why it's called fan service you're 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 giving the fans what they think that they want so that they keep reading and they keep voting you in the polls and you get to have 19 volumes instead of having like four or whatever mm. so i'm gonna give you a spoiler that might make you want to read ahead Mm, I'm gonna sorry. I'm gonna keep reading probably because it's, it's <laughs> in one of the latter volumes. Yeah. They they go off to this tournament in another part. I think they go into Tohoku actually, and they have this tournament. Mm -hmm. All the fighters stay at this inn, and everybody gets super drunk, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it is hilarious. It is so funny. It is like every. I don't, it's like oh my god! I I wish my work parties were like this because it's so funny. That sounds great. Oh, well, now now you've lost me because I don't find inebriation funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> the way they handle it is great, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A good example of what Christopher is talking about is on page 168 and 169 of volume mm. 7, mm. where Yudai gets a gift and he's like, ugh, I'm more of a Caplico guy. I already complained about the gift before even looking at it. And he gets mm. a notice that his brother's coming back on the 12th. And then he looks at the date and it's the 12th. Like that's like the drama and the humor back to back. Yeah, yeah. And I think it works for me because it's so understated. It's not necessarily like the jerk behavior that Christopher was talking about, but it's like kind of pushing that character out of his comfort zone. Mm. 
like him looking at his phone, just like dot, dot, dot. I don't know. It really got me pretty good. Yeah. But not liking something a lot and still reading a lot of it is one of my favorite things about comic books. (laughs) (laughs) Like it happens to me so often that it's, (laughs) <laughs> disgusting honestly and, and frankly we rely on that at marvel and dc it's true it's true <laughs> because there it means that there's something about the book that like i can't let go of even if i like really yeah. don't like one aspect or like only enjoy a certain aspect like there's something about the craft something about the approach that's yeah. irresistible when did you start reading volume one uh yesterday i guess i've done one and then i did i did one and two yesterday and then i did three to like started on on five and then you were like no seven so i yeah finished the the fight in volume five and then went to seven and eight and i think a little bit of nine that's pretty good i started reading volume one and skipped to five because we'd written down the wrong number for our notes and halfway through i was like i'm really enjoying this but i don't think the fight that i meant to show everyone is in this volume which is another Mm. thing for the book like you kind of get swept up in it a little bit I was actually a little surprised when I was reading that you were like, no, go to volume seven to get the new status quo because the introduction of the other, the first battle between Maki and the uh, sort of freckle, freckle nosed girl mm-hmm. that's in volume two is actually really good. That, that oh, fight, because yeah. it does show what they're both sort of doing and where they're coming from in a really interesting way. And the teacher's like, actually, Maki needs to get slapped down because she's like, all like all fire and has never actually had a setback because she could just overpower opponents and she doesn't actually know how to fight the way that she needs to. Mm-hmm. That was actually really good. And I was surprised you were like, no, don't read volume two because volume two did sort of bring it together a little bit more. Read like skip to volume, volume five slash seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating too, because the other characters like Momo, when she's fighting against, I guess her name's Karen cause or, or whatever, uh, the uh, uh, Kim Rampling. Yeah, Kim Kim Rampling Kate. From, from Canada. <laughs> it's a Kate, Kate Rampling. Kate, Kate yeah, oh, Rampling San from Canada. <laughs> that actually whole fight and all the stuff around it that's in Volume Seven is great, actually. Yeah, because both of those characters, like, we don't get as much out of the Canadian, but we do get some of like their backstory, and they do seem like to have more than enough. It's not just Ivan Drago, you know, yeah, from yeah. from Rocky Four. Imagine a Canadian Ivan Drago is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> And because all of our best athletes are women, of course, she's a woman as well, right? Yeah. So Canada soccer. <laughs> Women's soccer. <laughs> so like, yeah, I think that this whole fight and the stuff that goes into it and like what Momo's trying to do is really good. And they keep uh, like inserting, what's his name with the, uh, what's his name story in, into it. And it doesn't, you know, when Maki actually says, probably the only good thing she said the whole book is like, she's doing this for herself. She's not doing this for you. Like, mm. stop trying to make this about you. That was great. Because it actually is like her story and her fight and even like all the other characters go to the background where you like figure out what she's doing and what she wants and what this ba- this fight is. Like, I think this is maybe the purest fight out of anything in the book that I've read so far, mm. other than actually the Yakuza battle where he's like going to rescue that dude who's been kidnapped. Like, yeah, I think this fight is like athletics and like sportsmanship and like courage and fighting someone who's bigger than you, but also being good at what you do. Yeah, that was a great that was a great fight. Everything else felt a little compromised at in different mm. ways. Some much lesser, so I could still enjoy it. Some a hell of a lot more. But yeah, I liked that a lot. Actually, that you know what? The fight when they're kids where they get their asses handed to them <laughs> that you referenced earlier, that was really good too. But yeah, I think it's yeah, it's so it's so weird because it's like you see what he's trying to do. Maybe this is the thesis that I have I've got in this episode at the end, is that you see what he's trying to do and then you see what it takes to be a commercial comics artist. And that's like maybe the distance for me is that like it feels 
a lot of this feels grafted on rather than coming from the story. Mm. And that's not fair because I'm not in that dude's head, but as a critic or reviewer or whatever it is we're doing here as a podcaster, <laughs> I look at it and I'm like, oh man, I've seen that in a hundred anime. Like it's every time Maki says anything in that like shouty voice, it's just like Lam going darling or Akane going Ranma. Like, what are you doing? And sorry, I listen to Rama and dubs. I listen to Lam and subs. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's that kind of like, man, you have a really and then, you know, thank you for introducing a bunch of other female characters who are not one note screaming <laughs> machines yelling at the lead character. But sad that Maki kind of got that treatment until volume eight and a half. Uh, That's anyway. pretty good. Anyway. First of all, can I just say I love Rama and Dub, Lum and Subs? Yeah, Rama, Rama and the Dubs, yeah. Lum and the Subs. That's my dude in the street in the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was that what, your what, final what, thought, Christopher? What do you think? Yeah, it better good. be because if I keep going, <laughs> I'll start picking out individual panels where I'm like, "Oh, I wish that person just got hit by a car here. We didn't have to read about them for the next ten volumes." Like, yeah, no, it's final thought. Really good manga that is by someone who likes making manga. Like, this actually mm. feels like this person really likes making manga, but. Man, it's hard to be a commercial mangaka. You gotta, you gotta do some stuff to keep the to keep the kids entertained, even in evening. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah. the more it, we haven't read anything that has stuck out like this to me mm. that wasn't intended for actual children. Mm. Like we've read some shonen stuff that was just as you know had just as many any flaws and as many problems, but it's for it's 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 young. It's like young, young, young. And this is running in a Sane magazine. And is dealing with people who are transitioning from teenagers to adulthood. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'd rather have the sexy stuff, be honest. I'd rather have the personality conflict, be honest. I'd rather read Kosakushima. I am a 44-year-old man. <laughs> We've got to get some of the bilingual copies of Kosakushima in our hands for the podcast at some point. To see really like the best, <laughs> most boring manga in the world. It's like, <laughs> Chip, what are your final thoughts on All-Rounder Megaru? I, I really liked it. I, I feel like I would enjoy this even more reading it in the weekly or whatever monthly chapters. Yeah. Like, like, like it, it felt like a really good kind of like not a unified story, but like, I think, I think especially with the way they break up the fights and stuff, like it would really kind of get me coming back for more. I think. Yeah. Yeah. In, in that format, I quite liked it. I love the stomach kicking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking just like like tone wise, like this works for me. But like if in Daredevil, like Electra kicks Foggy Nelson in the stomach, I'd be like, oh no, come on. That would come be a heel on. turn. Yeah. It's oh she's possessed. Yeah, yeah again. it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. I quite like it and I'm gonna have dreams about being body slammed by Kate Rampling. Nice. Also <laughs> Rampling Rampling is the, the nom de plume that Anne Rice used for oh. her erotic works or some of her erotic works, I believe. Wow, that is a deep cut there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got Ronman Ronman the tubs. Ronman the tubs. And you've got the secret erotic works of Anne Rice. I got yeah, rice in the streets, <laughs> rampling in the sheets. That's what I, say. I was trying to find a way to do that with Lestat, but I couldn't pull it off. <laughs> uh, Deb, oh what God. are your That's... final thoughts? <laughs> That's a bumper sticker at a goth convention, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> mm, well, I guess all the praise and criticism I think is fair. I mean, because 
you know, like I, I love sports manga. I think everybody knows I love sports manga, but generally don't like sports. Mm-hmm. But I like that sports manga takes me along on the ride and gets me to care about something I normally don't care about and explains it enough that I understand the stakes of what's going on. Yeah. Mm. You know, like the, the diagrams helped because like if I had to just rely on the speed lines, I wouldn't realize like, oh, actually <laughs> he fainted this way and actually the, the their body is heading towards their fist. So like I kind of appreciated the diagrams because they helped me follow the story, but it maybe made it a little explainery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of, I guess what I appreciate about this manga, similar to what, why I like Giant Killing, which is a soccer manga, is it's about, it brings to the fore, not just young men, not just high schoolers, not just people in their early 20s, but even, I appreciate the characters who are in their late 20s, early 30s, even 40s, mm-hmm. who are coming to terms with, you know, their passion for sport that frankly isn't very lucrative. You know, like they're never going to be celebrated pros. They're never going to leave Japan and become like, you know, champions like an Ipo, right? Mm -hmm. They're basically just kind of trying to be the best they can be up to the level that they can be, up to the the level that their real lives, their paying jobs, their families will allow them to. But even with all those limiters, they are trying to be the best they can be. And I thought that was really interesting and grounding because. You know, I guess an older person too, I find that really, really just kind of nice to read. You know, that as you get older, you realize your body has limitations. As you get older, your, your, your choices become more limited and you make your peace with those choices. Mm. I know that sounds super depressing. Oh, and maybe God, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. No, but, but, that, but there's a really good, Deb, to that point, there's a really good conversation, I think, in either volume two or volume three, mm. where Takashi gets picked up by his uncle mm. after he's been practicing. He's like, oh, I got to go. And so he gets mm. in the car with his uncle. His uncle's like, You still playing at this like fighting shit that you're doing? And he's like, mm. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And he turns to his driver and he's like, Hey, you used to pr- fight professionally. You ever actually make a living at this, or did you, mm. you know, have to come work for me? Yeah. He's like, no. Nah, even when I was full time boxing, I didn't make a living. This is volume yeah. two, mm. really good. That's volume one. Was yeah, it volume yeah. one? Because yeah. the follow up to mm. that is Takashi goes to fight, and the driver lays him out like immediately. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. he comes back, and they actually have a conversation about being a boxer and about boxing, and that mm. driver ends up being one of Takashi's, like one of the guys that trains Takashi, mm-hmm. and they have fights, and they have talks about like being like being a professional fighter and and the different kinds of fighting stuff you know like the stuff that the series is about but that talk was actually really good and was mm-hmm. such a counterpoint to a lot of the stuff because it is like yeah you are ever only going to hit a certain point in your career like there are people that are in this that are in the gym that are training with them that they talk about a little bit later that are like only going to hit a certain point in their career i think deb is is bang on there and that's one of the things that's like really interesting about this series Mm-hmm. To me, one of the things I like the most is that like, yeah, you'll you'll pull aside and you'll have a real conversation about what it's like to do this thing that we're all doing that we're learning about in a manga. You know, it's for a Japanese audience. You're learning about MMA from in a, in a manga sort of format. And that's great. I, I actually want to go ahead on a positive note, actually, and say <laughs> that there are some like really good ideas and really good thoughts and really good conversations on the page. So yeah, to piggyback on Depp's point, yeah, that's one of them. That's like, oh man, that really hit home, but it was actually done in a way that like, oh, yeah, you should give up because you can't make money. No, it turns around and he's like, yeah, I gave up, but I'm going to train you if that's like a thing that you still want to do and maybe you've got more natural aptitude, maybe you can move a little bit further. There's like a light at the end of that tunnel and it's not just about cutting things off and being like, well, 
got to give up. Better go get a day job now. Like, no, the guy who gave up being a judo fighter because he hurt someone when he got a day job is actually helping more people than he ever would have before. And he wouldn't have ended up there. Mm. So there's like, there's good stuff in this manga. And it's maybe that stuff that keeps me reading in addition to yada, yada, yada. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I didn't mean to steal the time again, but David, did you have a final thought? I agree with everything Christopher just said for my final thoughts. Oh, come on. Mix of like physical action and philosophy. Like the fights I think are very, very well pitched, like very easy to read. It's almost like documentarian sound. It's overselling it a little bit, but it's like a Mm. very natural, realistic eye in terms of where Endo places the camera. And it makes for really fun fights for me. Like you can, you don't see it as animation, but you see it as if it were real is kind of how I think of comics like this. Like there's a weight to it that I like a lot. And I had something else with that. Um, the philosophical side. Like I've been doing martial arts for actually, I guess like quite a few years now as part of like a mm. be a better human initiative. And I think this manga does a great job of capturing what it's like to start doing it and then immediately like find your level. Like you're like, oh, I am exactly mm. this good. I have to work hard to even get like an inch above this. Yeah. Mm. And volume two actually has my one of my favorite scenes in the series even though I didn't assign it, when Meguru's sister is like, all your shirts fit differently now. Like, are your shoulders broader or something like that while they're just hanging out in their house? And it was like such a good moment, like such an observant thing to include in a book like this. Because a side Mm. effect of like practicing martial arts is you got to buy different clothes. Like maybe you can't wear skinny jeans anymore because your thighs are too powerful. And it's, Mm. I don't know, it's fun. It's really cool. Well-drawn manga. And you should read it. (laughs) <laughs> before we go yeah you saying about like doing the martial arts and then hitting a certain level and being like oh that's my level and you have to really work harder to get past that yeah like we've we've had that conversation before but with like art with like blank canvas <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah where it's like oh yeah no you hit that okay but how do you how do you get to that next step like that's yeah. that's the tricky thing now once you hit that level and it's all kind of the mm-hmm. same story yeah yeah it really is now, Blue Giant 2 for music, we actually talked yeah. a little bit about that as well, where like the drummer comes in and gets like oh, to yeah, yeah. not embarrassing real quick, yeah. but then yeah. that next mountain is like quite a ways off and takes a ton of work. So yeah, yeah you improve really quickly if you devote all your time to something, but then you hit that, that mm-hmm. level. And I think that, yeah, the, real, the honest conversations about that here, I don't know, we maybe didn't get to that in Blue Giant. Maybe it comes up in a, in a future volume. Maybe it comes up, we only read Blank Canvas yeah. Volume 1. I'd, I'd really yeah. love to... Uh, yeah, we should maybe. Go I back think it's a feature. I shouldn't say a feature of state of the manga. It's something I've noticed in state of the manga, having very mm-hmm. not moderate dreams, but like realistic dreams. You know, like you still want to mm-hmm. aim for something, but it's something you can actually yeah. reach out and grasp, or like there's like a pathway to it. And it's a good vibe mm-hmm. for comics. All Rounder Megaru by Hiroki Endo is published by Kodansha and is now available on Comicsology Unlimited. Go to the link in the show notes to check out a free preview. If you're new to the Comixology Unlimited, get a 30-day free trial when you sign up today at Amazon.com slash Comixology Unlimited. We're going to take a break. We did an hour and change on All Rounder Megaru Volumes 1 and 7 by Hiroki Endo. And we will see you on the other side with something else. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. And we are back. We are going to close out this undoubtedly award-winning, possibly Eisner award-winning, all-rounder Megaru episode with some shout-outs. Christopher, do you want to kick us off? And I'll figure out my shout-out by the time you finish talking. Sure. I actually want to shout out a listener who wrote us. Novus from the FE wrote us. And uh, we, we, in response to the All My Darling Daughters by Fumi Oshinaga episode, we were actually talking about how like the book ending story there was about, you know, this this girl and her mom was like sort of cold and aggressive, but like was trying to, you know, in her way to be a mom. And, you know, she ends up marrying a host like 20 years or junior. And she has this falling out with her grandmother who is like been awful to her and told her she was ugly since she was a kid. And it really like affects how she is in the world. And we're like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Iguana Girl, that story by Moto Hagio that was in A Drunken Dream and other stories. Well, Novus from FE wrote, in, wrote us on Twitter in the direct messages and said, Fumi Oshinaga's All My Darling Daughters was inspired by the Iguana Girl. The source hmm. is the following link, and we'll, we'll throw the link in the show notes. It's a Japanese Moto Hagio fan site that has a collection of interviews. And this one is an interview between a conversation happened between Fumi Oshinaga and Moto Hagio directly. And there's a couple of other pages. Nobis from FE translates, Fumi Oshinaga felt that the relationship depicted in The Iguana Girl between a mother who does not understand her daughter and her daughter is similar to the relationship between Yoshinaga's own mother and grandmother. That's why she wrote All My Darling Daughters. Wow. So it's not only pulling from other manga, but pulling from like familial experiences and life experiences. It's one of the reasons I think that that manga was so good. So I want to just, you know, shout out our awesome readers who uh, wrote us in with stuff like this. I'll throw all this info in, probably in its own post up on the website and in the show notes here, just so people, and I'll update the original <laughs> show notes as well. Yeah. I can't update the episode, sadly, but yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that we got cool readers that are doing nice things and sending us messages and, you know, being nice, being nice to each other in the comments section too. Everyone's very cordial. <laughs> it's shocking. So yeah, it's my shout out this week. Thanks listeners. Thanks readers. You're yeah. the best. You're the smartest and the brightest and the cutest. I mean, we might be the smartest for intuiting this connection before, you know, without even realizing. Whoa. We've got a lot of emotional intelligence. Yes, there we go. (laughs) Is Yoshinaga from the generation after Motohageo? Like, would Motohageo be the same generation Mm -hmm. as her mom? Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Who else has shout outs? Deb, do you have a shout out for us? I have two. I'll make one short and one slightly longer. All right. The short one is the latest volume of A Bride Story by Kaoru Mori, volume Ooh. 13. Nice. I, I mentioned this because there's a new story about the boy Rossum and the woodcarver. Oh. Oh, awesome. And it, it is absolutely delightful. Nice. <laughs> the guy's teaching him a little bit about how to carve, how to get used to tools. Hmm. And he has, he has this moment where he says, you know, don't. You know, like, don't mess with this. You're going to, these are sharp tools and it could, they could rip it to your hand. And it's so sweet. Mm. Mm. Right. That right. alone is worth the price of admission for this book. Yeah, she's so good at drawing. <laughs> so yeah. if you so love that story from the first volume, do check that out because it's, it's really nice little continuation. The other book that I'm going to talk about a little bit more is Filth and Grammar by Shelley Bond. Mm. Oh, oh, nice. I supported yeah. this one on Kickstarter and I just got my copy the other day. It is the comic book editor's secret handbook. 
So Shelley Bond worked at Vertigo. Um, she most famously worked with Neil Gaiman on Sandman and stuff. And so what surprised me is how it's so illustrated and gives a lot of interesting tips and thoughts about the comic making process and what tips for other pros, uh, both letterers, colorists, pencilers, writers. It's a really nice, um, nice, nice package. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate at this point because it's not available to the general public. She's mailing out copies now to the Kickstarter. And then she said on her website that she will make additional copies avail- if there's any extra available to anyone else. So if when she does that, I recommend you pick it up. I think it's a good book. I think she's SX Bond on Twitter, mm. something like that. So you can just follow her account and stay tuned. Yeah, it's offregister.press is the website where they're offering the book. It's really fun. Cool. cool. And Chip, how about you? My life is devoid of anything except for work, but I, mm. I do make sure that I spend a half hour a week watching Barry on HBO <laughs> and the, the season finale just aired and it's just stunning <laughs> and, and weirdly ties back to Chris's uh, earlier comments because it's like it's like a jokey show, <laughs> but the main character is a murderer. And like it gets super dark and it's all about his past kind of catching up to him by season three. But there's still jokes. So I, I, I very much like it. But Bill Hader directed most of the episodes of this season, I think. Yeah. Wow. And he is unbelievable. Like, like they are such tight half hours uh, and so beautiful and so well thought out that I, I can't recommend it enough. And it's one of those pieces of art where when you finish it, you're just like, oh, man, I got to get better at the thing that I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I also want to shout out, I want to shout out Bill Hader because there's this tweet that one of his co-stars posted which was the a text exchange with them about the finale in which they were just like basically saying that twitter digs the finale he's like oh yeah nice nice and they're like oh your name was trending which is pretty cool and bill Hader's <laughs> like i see no money from that <laughs> which is just I love it. <laughs> really sums up twitter in my head i'm like oh yeah he's right i see no money from that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wow. haven't started the season of barry yet but i saw a clip of the dirt bike chase when he's driving past oh, all the yeah, cars yeah. and the radios and i was like oh this is already my favorite thing i don't even know what's happening yeah yeah you're you're, you're gonna love it yeah <laughs> catch up to your friends yeah it, came, it already came back around on me yeah <laughs> speaking of watching tv late my shout out is to the very popular tv show mash I have been moving for the past two weeks and mostly just watching MASH while unpacking and like stacking bookshelves and that kind of thing. And it's such a consistently good show. And it does a slide from like slapstick comedy into deadly seriousness, like not seamlessly, but in a really organic way. Like whatever you see directed by Alan Alda on the screen, you're in for a weird time. And I don't know, it's just aged really well. If you have Hulu or some other streaming service, check it out. The writing's really good. And Alan Alda's my pick for the next Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those, I know we've, we're already long, but I yeah. loved MASH growing up. And I always loved the fact that they, they, they got rid of the laugh track for any scene in the surgery. Oh, yeah. Even if it was yeah. jokey, there was no laugh track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somebody pointed out that like, like the British, when it aired in England, it had the laugh track, I think, during yeah, the surgery Yeah, it's on the scenes. Wikipedia yeah, yeah, which is weird to me that they'd be like, no, no, we need the laughs here. But it, it's a killer show. Have you finished it? No, I'm like season nine. I mean, I saw okay. the ending, I think, in the 80s, but I was like a child. 
you know. Okay, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say the 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 last episode is just is one of the wildest bits of television. Give yourself a day. Give yourself a day after watching that one. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just warning. (laughs) Cosine on mesh though, like phenomenally good. Yeah, and self-reflective because it goes on for eleven years. Like yeah. it realizes that it did some characters dirty and has them like confront other characters at a certain point and like yeah, yeah so good like oh, so. Oh, Hot Lips Hulahan gets such an amazing story arc over the course of the show. Oh my god, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Frank is such a little weasel. Oh, <laughs> Frank. I think a lot Frank. of like what Christopher disliked about All Rounder Megaru is in early seasons of Mash they're just relentless bullying and it's supposed to be cute, but then people <laughs> pay for it instantly. So yeah, yeah. He's like thinking the, about like, it now, yeah. I really like. Uh, I've talked enough this episode. And <laughs> mash blading will debut next month. Oh, yeah. Get ready for mash blading. <laughs> There's got to be. Is there a mash podcast? There's There's gotta gotta be. There must be. If we find one, yeah. we'll put it in the show notes. But we probably won't listen. There's to it There's Starskin first, Hutch so. boys love. So there's got to be a mash podcast. <laughs> wow, that kind of wow. makes sense. On that note, <laughs> we're going to call it for this week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast, and we will see you next time with more manga to be manga explained. Catch you later. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 69, a nice little bit all about all-rounder Megaru. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga My Hero Academia by Kohei Horikoshi. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com, or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com, and check out our newsletter and digital publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.